We wanted to throw them into the Tiber out of one reason. It is not right to have statues which represent a pagan idol, as a pagan idols themselves, in the sanctuary of a Catholic church within Rome, the capital of our, of our faith. This is not possible. It's an offense to God. This is Echo of Fidelity. What was the context in which this happened? You threw the Pachamama statues into the Tiber, and why were so many Catholics around the world concerned about the crisis in the church? And what, what exactly was your understanding of the Amazon Synod? So when I heard f first that um, the Synod is going to take place, I took um, a lot of time to do a research, a close research, and to see what exactly the Amazon Synod is about. Okay, so there are two aspects of the Synod. The first aspect is the religious one, which is already um, um, been sorted out by Karel Berg and, and Bishop Schneider and all those great heroes of our time about the old questions, woman, uh, woman ordination and celibate. That's settled doctrine. Yes, yes, yes that's already settled. It, it's, it's, it doesn't actually, for us as laymen, we can really trust here in the old church teaching. It was always right and it will be right also in the next few centuries, millennia and millenniums. And then the, of the, on the other side, there's this political aspect. The first step was when the Holy Father said we have to obey the United Nations publicly. He said that, uh, I think, one or two weeks before the Synod. So I tried to look into what the connection between this whole United Nations plan and the Synod is. And I sorted out that um, all the political uh, points they made, for example, about the climate change agenda, were pushed into the church from the outside, especially by the United Nations and their friends. I'll explain to you a little bit more the point. If you look at what they do in South America, especially for you as, as, as members of the TFP, it's very important because you know South America quite well. Um, you will see that in South America there is since decades this agenda of putting away um, um, the Amazonian area um, from the sovereignty of these countries and put it directly under UN reign. Why do they do that? They say it's because this area is for every human from the same importance. They say every human has a right to, 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 to kind of watch over this area. And the only organization which claims for himself to represent the whole humanity is unfortunately not the church, which really represents the whole humanity, but unfortunately the United Nations right now. Another surprising thing, if I can add, is Please. that an Amazon synod of the church would naturally tend to seek the conversion or to bring in the Indians in that area to the, to the fold of the church. Yes. But did, uh, it the didn't. Amazon, did. I don't think, really talked about that. No, uh, no, they didn't talk about that at all. As soon as they talked about the, the, the indigenous and the Indians, they always said, ah, and what we see there is such an amazing truth and, and faith. We cannot touch this as Christians because this is another part of our revelation, but it's not a one given, us, given to us by Christ. It's just what they experienced through their life close to nature. That's mainly what they say. First of all, they made this up. There is no pan-Amazonian religion. It does not exist. Even in the pagan times, it did not exist. They all have a different faith, and uh, the faiths sometimes are very cruel and practice infanticide and, uh, and other things, and sometimes are not very cruel, but, but still pagan, and, and for us as Christians, um, we can see that they are wrong. So, uh, the, so they kind of made something up. They made this one 
it's not a one world, but a one Amazon religion. It was made up by a, a panel and, and first practiced at a UN meeting, actually. Did you know that? The first Pachamama ritual, which was done the same way as it was done now in the Vatican Gardens, was done at a UN meeting. Um, and, and the word Pachamama, you will, as the word Mother Earth, you will find it in the, I think, the, the speeches they give about the Parisian climate um, contract. So it's very interesting to see that this came not from the jungle. It does not come from the indigenous. That's the reason, for example, they use the word Pachamama too, even though Pachamama is a goddess from the Andes and not from the Amazonian forests, rainforests. So you see, they mixed something together to, to do something the leftists always do. They always need a group of people where they can say they are fighting for their rights. It does not matter if they are uh, from a, a certain you know, a, a race and, and, and from certain people, uh, from a certain sexual orientation or something, it does not matter. There must be someone who is discriminated, uh, who is discriminated and therefore needs his rights to be enforced by a greater unit or a greater, a greater power. In this case, it's the Amazonians. So the Amazonians right now should not get a baptism because they are wonderful in the way they are. So we deny to them the most important thing you can get on earth. It's the most important thing, Christ, told us we have to baptize the people, we have to go out, go out and spread his gospel and you say publicly we are not going to do it, we are not going to baptize them because what they have already is so rich. So They also speak about how we can learn from the Indians. Yes. So in the past the, the missionaries would even lay down their life to win converts to the church. Yes, of but now because of liberation theology we have members of the clergy there who would rather let them live inside of a pagan system of rather course. than bring them into the church. That's one of the most shocking things. The most shocking thing is that it's actually, it is so shocking that it's not shocking anymore for me. Um, as a European, especially as an Austrian, and uh, I, I know these problems, they are not new. The people in Europe and I think all over the world, the Catholics, especially the lots of the Catholic uh, um, high rank hierarchy, um, so the bishops and, and prelates of the church, they lost their faith in, in, in what Christ told us. They really lost it. They, they think of Christ as a kind of hippie, as someone who lived back then in the times and showed the people, ah, you have to love each other. Of course he wants us to love the others. But love, uh, um, and we know that, has something to do with truth and sacrifices. So if you do not tell them the truth, and if you do, are not ready to sacrifice, um, some things you do and, and your own life, then it won't, it, it is not love. It is not love. So it's, the first one is the big misconception about what love is actually. Then the second misconception uh, is what uh, Christ did when he was on earth. They really think you uh, walked around preaching peace in the way the modernist 1968 revolutionary thinks it. No, he did not. He told us what, what our whole life is about. He told us our, our uh, what our whole purpose is how we come to heaven, how we can follow him. And what did he say? He said, if you follow me, you have to take your cross and carry your cross to follow me. And people will laugh about you and people will, will, will laugh in your face about you. And if you follow me, you will suffer. That's the things he told us. And we know why. Because as soon as you follow him and you follow the, the truth, then you have to get rid of everything which connects you to, to the world too much. So all the great things you can uh, have on earth, for example, I don't know, being rich. I don't know if you, if you like things like that, but going to the cinema every day maybe, or living a very rich life or a very decadent life. These are not things connecting us with Christ. Because 
if you're rich, if you have a good life, these are possibilities God gives you to sacrifice your life um, um, to God. It is, it is something, a gift given to you and you have to work for it actually. And people don't want to see that anymore. So they now need something. Um, they need a new Christ. And the new Christ is a hippie Christ, someone who allows everything, someone who never says no and always says yes. And so if they see the pagan religions in the Amazonian forest, they think, well, that's their way of living and it's fantastic, it's so rich. That's a, that, that's a hippie misconception. It is exactly the same thing in the 1968s. The people were telling us, oh, you're living that way? Oh, that's, that's so cool, man. No, it's not. It is great to follow God, actually, to obey His commandments. And yes, you are free not to do that. You are free but you will see the consequences. And the people do not like to talk about the consequences. That's the reason um, they have to push that away. So in the Amazonian Synod, they could not talk about the real problems down there. The real problems are always the same. As soon as the church stops talking about faith and, and being pious and uh, the church stops doing, doing really religious acts uh, in the outside, so, so masses, rosaries, processions, all the things which, which keep our, our whole world filled with a culture, of, uh, with a Catholic culture, then of course things break down because the people need to see, the people need to um, uh, hear, the need to, people need to, uh, uh, something to follow. Because that's the same thing Christ did. When Christ uh, when, uh, went through the countries, he didn't only talk about things, he did many things. He, he, you know, he um, uh, healed someone, he preached on the top of a mountain, he, he kicked people out of the, the temple, the, you know, the merchants out of the temple, and even whipped them. So you see that Christ did many different things and they were all very necessary. Nowadays the same, the, the same richness of, of Catholic action is necessary. And as soon as you get rid of that, then you have all the problems. Then you have the people not following the faith. Then you have suddenly people who get so have the, all the sexual problems. We witnessed especially here in the United States quite recently with Cardinal McCarrick. And we have that in Europe too, please. We are, we are not better in Europe regarding that. So you see that always the same problems and they always come if you not follow Christ. And the modernist now wants to tell us um, that you just have to accept every problem as if it would be good and then everything is perfect. And this is not very intelligent because people will suffer from that especially the Amazonians um, and, and the indigenous living in the Amazon region, because now they do not have a chance to, to, to hear Christ's gospel. It's terrible. And uh, if you could tell us a little bit, uh, what, what actually prompted you to um, make the decision to go into the church of Santa Maria and to remove the Pachamamas that were there? How did you find out that they were there? And then what inspired you to go in there and remove them, and then throw them in the river. Yes, it's uh, um, it's very easy to explain. I was, I was as I told you in the beginning, I was very interested in what happens at the synod. I was very interested because I saw, I saw that this is a terrible thing happening there, and especially like Cardinal Burke said, um, I think two days ago in a New York Times interview, he told us that if those things they were, uh, which the people talked uh, uh, about at the Amazon Synod and what the, now the, the end paper of the Amazon Synod tells us, if they would be really enforced within the church, it would be an open schism. That's what Kenneth Burke said two days ago, and I think he's right. So I was there at the beginning of the Synod to attend a few conferences, one given by the TFP actually, and uh, then, uh, then a few others, uh, meetings and conferences. And I used the time to visit 
Santa Maria in Traspontina because in Rome it was, as uh, the people knew, that in this church there's a kind of exhibition about this, this whole synod. So I went there with my wife and, and I saw that there is on the, in the church where a few shields and on, uh, a few um, tables and on those tables there, were there was information about the Amazonian region, how bad Bolsonaro is and what happened there and all the political things. And then there were in two side chapels, especially in the second side chapel from the, uh, from the right, um, there were, were these this strange statues and some carpet lying around and then there was a post on the wall where you saw a, a naked lady breastfeeding an animal. And it said, I think something about the whole nature coming together while doing something like this. Terrible. Uh, yes, it was really terrible. And it was in a sanctuary of a chapel. Yes, so it, it, there's an, another step. And I so was when you went into the church, you saw this display. Yes. Was it near the altar? It, no, no, no. no. At, the, at the front altar, at the end of the church, there was actually not much, uh, maybe a sign or two, but no, it was at the entrance of the church on the right-hand side. And so I talked to the people there, to the volunteers. There were a few volunteers of this REPAM organization, which is one of the organizers of the, of the whole indigenous um, cause. Let's put it that way. And they talked uh, talk to me about the baptism. I asked them about if these people get bapti uh, baptized and they told me no, because now nah, it's difficult because they live their life and it's so rich, so it's difficult for us to baptize them. And I told them, you know, that you cannot go there and not baptize them. That's, you know, that's, that, that's just a very big, how do you call it? Um, um, it's a crime. It's really a crime for me. It's a crime if you do not try to baptize the people. Of course, you cannot force them to be baptized, and that's wrong to force them, but you have to tell them everything about it. And of course, your goal must be that, that, that God has the possibility to, to work with them too. And the best is through the grace of baptism, of course, because that's the only way we know and Christ gave us, um, and it's, it's, the most certain, it's the most certain way. So this was my first experience. I was really shocked and I was really angry, actually. And then there was this um, uh, ritual in the Vatican Gardens where they planted the tree and they kneeled down and, 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 and bowed they down. bowed down and they, bowed down. they worshipped the tree. Yeah, they bowed down and worshipped the tree and the statues and the Pachamamas okay. already. They bowed down, especially to the Pachamamas. And there was this very strange prayer there. And now I saw an interview given by the lady who led the prayers who said within this interview that the goddess of Mother Earth leads us then to, uh, to Godfather. So if this would be really true that they think that the goddess of Mother Earth leads them to uh, our, our father, it's still wrong. It is still wrong. But it would be even a little bit uh, better. But others said it's, uh, they do not believe in Godfather. They only believe in Mother Earth. So both sides are really wrong. It's really wrong. They, you cannot say that the creation is the creator. It's wrong. It's not possible. Um, so that was the first problem. The second, then I went there a second time with a friend of mine who speaks Portuguese, which was quite good because lots of the volunteers were Brazilians. And we talked to them and asked them many things and they told us the synod is mainly political. Um, one of them told us he's a communist, right in the face. I asked him, what, why do you do it? And he said, yeah, you know, I'm a communist. <laughs> so wow. Quite normal, as it would be the most normal thing to say within a Catholic church. Yeah, well, I'm a communist. Uh, I, was, I was really <laughs> very amazed by that. Who invited him into the church? He was working for Repam. Okay. He, is a, he was a volunteer for Repam, so it was, it wasn't, he wasn't kind of official there. And there was a lady running around with those, all those black rings on the, on the hand. Right. And you know, the black rings are symbols of liberation theology, so that's the reason they gave Pope Francis a ring too. Uh, I'm very happy that he does not wear it. 
Uh, it's, I think it's very good for, for uh, our Holy Father's soul not to wear a, this black ring. And then I, I was really, I have to admit it, I was really angry because this was in the face of our Lord and, and, and Savior. It was, it was exactly the opposite of what God told us in the first commandment when it says, do not make any image um, of, 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 you know, do not do that. Do not bow down to any graven image. Um, uh, which is not about, you know, uh, God and his, so it's, <laughs> I was really shocked and I wanted to kick them out since I saw this the second time. I wanted to really take them out. So I talked with my wife and, and she to asked me to not do it because uh, I need some time to think over it and pray over it. So we went back to Austria, I prayed over it, then we had lots of trips to do and, and certain and, and a conference we organized, a very fantastic philosophical conference about the Catholic teaching. And then at the end of the conference, um, I asked my wife again and she told me, okay, you have to talk with a priest. So I asked the priest and the priest doesn't, didn't tell me yes. He told me, you have to do it. If you have the possibility, do it. It is right. I cannot do it because as a priest, uh, it's, you know, it's a very difficult situation for good priests nowadays because as soon as they do something, they immediately lose their mass and everything they can do. And this is really a big, it would be a very big impact in a bad so I, w I thought, okay, that's great. And I talked to my wife again, and then she told me, okay, now you have to do it. And then I, then I asked a friend of mine, uh, a fantastic Austrian. I really appreciate his help. He's, he's one of the most pious and courageous men I know. He's quite young and Austrian. And we went to the airport, booked the flight at the airport, went there, prayed all time, slept for a few hours. What, what were you praying? A rosary. It's not only the rosary, also, for example, now I'm, since a few years, I have a big devotion to St. Michael's prayer. I think it's very important to pray that because if uh, we are right now in a spiritual war, and if you have a spiritual war, then you have to uh, make a commitment to the leader of the spiritual war on our side, and St. Michael, because St. Michael leads our armies. It's wonderful to know that, so I, I try to pray the St. Michael's prayer every day, every day. We prayed a few rosaries, actually, and, and the St. Michael's prayer. At the airport in the plane, at the airport, everywhere. And then we came to our friend's house in Rome, discussed with him the whole plan. He's a, also a great supporter. I, I'm, I would love to say his name, but it's not possible, you know, but he was really fantastic. And then in the morning we got up, he told us that the church opens at 6.30 a.m. So we got up at 6, um, refreshed ourselves, and then went directly to Santa Maria in Traspontina, but it was closed. There were a few homeless people lying in front of the church, so I, I, we were very nervous, so we were running around to St. Peter's Cathedral, and then we thought, well, let's pray, let's pray. And then we sat down on the bench, you know, on Via de Conciliazione, there are a few benches. We sat down on a bench next to the church and prayed the rosary. And it was the, when the last Hail Mary was spoken, uh, the door was opened. So we, we kind of uh, had, to, had to accept that Our Lady wanted us to first pray at our time. <laughs> it's very important. Were you nervous at this point? No the nervosity was gone. So at first you were nervous? Yes, and then we were not anymore. When we did it, we, uh, I was not nervous at all. And when we, were, when we finished everything, then the nervosity came back. When we saw, as when we uploaded the video, and we had a few talks with friends of us about it, and how we should do it now, and, and how we should cut the video, this was the time where uh, I started getting nervous, when I saw, okay, this will be a greater impact than I thought. I knew that it will have an impact, I knew it, but that was not the reason we did it. We wanted to throw them into the Tiber out of one reason. It is not possible, it is not right and to have um, statues 
which represent a pagan idol, also pagan idols themselves, in the sanctuary of a Catholic church within Rome, the capital of our, of our faith, um, um, this is not possible. It is, re it is really um, an offense. You offend God with it. It's an offense to God. So we had wanted to get rid of them. And that's the reason we threw them into a Tiber. People ask us, why did we not just place them somewhere else? If you place a pagan idol somewhere else, it is used again. We didn't want it to be used. Now they claim to f uh, that, that they fished it out of the Tiber, which actually I do not believe right now, because first I believed it, but then I saw that, that, that the statue looked a little bit different. So I don't know, maybe it's right, but I, I don't know it right now. But how, how long did it take you to get from the church to the river? Out of Santa Maria and Traspontina, you just go to the Castel San Angelo and there's the bridge. So it, takes a, it took us a few minutes. We went uh, uh, to the back of the church because we didn't, know, we didn't want the, 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 the people to see us too much at the beginning. But then we said, actually, let's just matter. do it. It doesn't yeah, matter too much. That's the reason we went then to the, straight to the bridge. And it was wonderful. And then we, we saw the impact. And what was the impact? We had a great success. The statues were not used at the, uh, at the end ceremony of the, uh, of the, of the, um, of the Synod. Uh, they were not used. Um, the people were suddenly trying to understand what happened in Rome. They really were trying to get into who are the Pachamamas. Actually, and you have to say who are they because that's, this is a pagan goddess. Uh, it's a pagan goddess. So it, it, is, it is a kind of who. In my opinion, um, it is a, a demon. So the people saw this, and this was our greatest success. We didn't think of it. We only wanted to put these statues out of the church. And then we saw it now gives the people all around the world, all the Catholic uh, people, the chance to, to, to really express their faith. Because the, the biggest thing you can do against God is to not obey the first commandment. Because that's the reason it's the first commandment. It's not the tenth or the second or the third, it's the first. And if you do not obey the first commandment, then you are no, not Catholic. And no Christian, actually, but especially not Catholic. I think that's what inspired a lot of Catholics, especially young Catholics, maybe yeah. your age and college age students who are Catholic, concerned about the crisis in the church. And when they found out that this happened, uh, they all wanted to spiritually be part of it. Yes, and, and they were part could, of it. You could only serve the true God. Right? There are no of course. other gods before the one true God. Many bishops have called it an act of apostasy. Yes, many bishops, even, even some cardinals. As I know, I'm very happy that, for example, Cardinal Müller said the problem is not taking them out, it was putting them inside the church. And also His Eminence, Cardinal Burke, gave now this wonderful interview for New York Times, and he did many things before the Synod. You know, he gave comments on, all the, on, the, on the problematic points of the, the working paper and so on. So yes, of course, the, you know, now you see something. You see, and this was possible through this act, and I'm very happy that, that God gave us the, the power to do that, actually, because it was now from a retrospective, I, I really see that I really see how God influenced me. Um, hopefully, I'm not wrong about that. I, I'm just I'm praying that this is this is the, the it was the right thing. I think it was the right thing, because what do we see now? We see that the people suddenly want to speak out the truth. They want to speak about the commandments. They want to speak about following Christ through and through. They do not want to have a half a religion. They want to have the full faith. As our Lord and Savior told us, your yes should be a yes and your no should be a no. That's it. There is no y you know.
You can't serve two gods. No, it's not possible. It's, it's not possible. And it gives the people freedom because whenever you, that, uh, you, you are only free if you understand the rules. I, I had a wonderful um, speech given by a fantastic philosophy professor we have in Austria. He's a wonderful, wonderful man. I really appreciate what he does for us. And he said, the true freedom is not getting rid of the rules because the rules exist. If you accept them or not, doesn't change the rules. Because for example, that there is gravity outside, everyone accepts that. But there are also rules between us humans. There are some rules which are wrong. For example, theft is in every, in every society, theft is wrong. And this, as soon as the society starts to promote that theft in certain cases is right, the society ceases to be. It, it's, it destroys the whole society and, and people know that. So the uh, freedom is accepting the rules, learning to live by them, and then kind of um, 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 reigning over the rules. So it, it, understand me right. It's like a piano player. If you know how to play the notes and, and you really practice this, and then comes the point where you do not have to think over it again. You, you just know it. Then you can play and then you can start impro uh, improvise. Uh, how do you say this? Imp improvise. Improvise, yes. Mm -hmm. And th that makes you um, um, what we call um, virtuose, uh, so uh, virtuosity. And this is freedom. Freedom, and out of this freedom, there comes a real creativity in the word creation, is in the word creativity. So, creativity, modern art, for example, is not creative because if you just do not obey it and you always have to explain to people why it is a piece of art, then it's not creative. Creative is something which, uh, which lifts you up and which brings you towards God and His creation. That's creative. That's the reason it's the same, it's the same word. And we saw that after, after, our, our, after what we've done in, in Rome, that happened. The people suddenly tried to understand, understand the rules. They tried to know why they exist. So not only following out of tradition, which is good, but it's always better if you do not just follow it, but only also understand it as, as, as far as it's possible for you. And they tried to understand it. And that makes them free because they come to a point where they can have a decision of their life. And if the decision is, I, I, I do not want to follow God, I think it's really sad, but it is your decision. And if your decision then is, I want to follow God, and you take all the consequences, then you can live a life and try to be a saint. And what bigger grace can be for a human than end up being a saint in heaven? It's the biggest thing you can ever reach in your whole life. You can be the richest and most powerful man on earth. It's worth nothing in the moment you die. The moment you die, it's always, it's only important do, is your soul going to end up being uh, in the choir invisible or not? That's it. And that, I think, was wonderful to see. When you lined up those Pachamamas, I think there were five of them? Five, yes. You lined them up on the, on the bridge? Yes. And then what did you do? As we kicked them in one by one, because first uh, we wanted to throw them just in, but then we thought it's, it's you know, this, this whole move to, to, to give them this platform, which is their end, was very important because the Pachamama's purpose, from my point of view, is the only thing left from the Pachamama purpose is to be part of our history books. So you can write about them and say, back then in the times before Christianity, people were praying to Pachamama. That should be their position. There is no position in the Catholic Church for a Pachamama. It's never ever in the whole life of the church. It will never be and it, it, it can never be. So uh, the idea was to put them there between all the angels, you know, the, the bridge. The, you see the angels which um, carry the signs of suffering of our Lord and, and Savior. And I think that 
that these Pachamamas were used for sermons, ceremonies around um, uh, St. Peter's was another nail for Jesus on the cross. It was another pain he had, he felt. And to put away this pain, it was very interesting, to, the symbolic act, uh, we thought about it afterwards, but to see all the angels who carried the sign of pain, and these were also signs of pain. And then we kicked them into the Tiber, so these signs of pain should now be gone. That's our hope. And this act was done under the gaze of St. Michael. Yes, it was. And that's the reason I, when we published the video, I, I invented a new YouTube channel because I didn't want the people to talk about who did it, but, uh, just, uh, but rather about what was done. So um, we called the video channel Michael del Buffalo um, because there is a fantastic um, saint called Caspar del Buffalo. And he was, uh, he was, um, um, he was a French, actually, who he, he was a fantastic saint. He, was a, he, he, he didn't want to give in to this new anti-church politics happening in Europe. And he was very strong and so on, and he really suffered. And the only thing we had with us when we did it was a picture of this, this saint. Oh, wow. But as we pushed in the statues from uh, under the eyes of Saint Michael, from the angels, so from Castel San Angelo, um, we, we wanted to give him, um, you know, a kind of uh, honor too, because he is uh, the great leader. He leads us in the fight. So Saint Michael was watching you. All the angels were watching you. Hopefully, yes. Hopefully, uh, I know it inspired a lot of people, and I hope that Our Lady will continue to grant graces so that we can see a day when the crisis in the church is remedied. If you allow me to this last statement, I want to say, you know, right now we, um, we do not have to be afraid at all anymore. It is, um, stop being afraid. If you are a faithful Catholic right now, then you will know your faith. Because right now there are so many attacks on the church and within the church even, that if you still are a faithful Catholics, it means you are in a position of power um, if it comes to dealing with the world because you know how things run, you know how the things work right now, and you, you are, uh, the faith gives you the possibility to be, to be superior to all the problems. You stand over them and can watch them from, from the top. And your duty is it right now for all of us, for you, for me, for, for all our friends and, and all the ones who, who support this, to help, um, uh, to help really standing up for the, for the Catholic faith, to help others get in the same position, because that's the only position where you can manage to come to heaven. If you give in to the modern world, you will lose. There is no compromise with the modern world. It does not work, never. And this is, some, this is something you have the possibility to do now. So you can be very hopeful. We have tons of wonderful young, young, young fighters. We have wonderful priests coming now. We have, um, for example, the traditional seminaries are all full, and, and the, the parish churches and churches from the traditional Catholics um, are now growing everywhere. So the people want to be Catholic, they really want that, and they support that, and they fight for that. And that's, that's, that means that when we see now the whole world falling apart and, and burning down, uh, especially the relics of, of the past society, then we do not have to establish a new order. We have to return to order. We have to return to order, that's the point. And to return to order, you have to now do a few things learn history, try to really learn history, read, try to learn the dates, try to learn the, 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 the biographies of the great saints. You really have to learn them, you have to understand them. The doctors of the church. The doctors of the church, yes, all of that. So know your faith, as learn history, know your faith. Um, understand that we as Catholics do not believe in, in something 
like politics actually. We, we know the politics exist, but uh, to, to be a politician is only to be a tool. It is about reigning and, and serving. So we have, to, we have to serve God. We have to serve God and reign over the world. And reign over the world in a, in a spiritual way. You know, know what that means? means understand what the world is about, understand the hierarchy of nature, understand the hierarchy of man, understand it all, and try to uh, learn these rules, what I told you before. And if you can really understand the rule, then you can live uh, your life as someone giving other people the possibility to do the same. So other people the possibility to reflect their sins, maybe even um, um, put them away and come to the church also. There won't be one human um, um, who, who will accept the Catholic teaching if the Catholic teaching only teaches him 10%. That's not possible. You do not, you do not choose to change your whole life for a 10% thing. You do it for a 100% thing. Absolutely. That's it. So, so right now you have the possibility. I'm very happy actually. And I'm, very, I'm actually I'm also quite... <laughs> I'm in a good mood all day normally because I think it's fantastic. You see all the great things happening right now. And even though everything seems to fall apart and break, our faith is not affected anymore. Now this really is somewhere else. So learn your faith yes. and then fight this movement. Absolutely. And the grace of God is much more powerful yes. than whatever Satan has prepared. And we know that we win. And we know that we win. That's it. And we know that we have the angels and the saints and yes. especially St. Michael. Yeah, he's fantastic. So Alexander, thank you so much for uh, speaking with us. And um, I know all the viewers of TFP Student Action are grateful to you for standing up and take, taking this heroic stand for the church. May God bless you for your love for the church. May Our Lady guide you in the future. Thank you very much. And I'm very happy about this TFP student action because I watch their videos all day. As I, watch, I think I saw every video and I really appreciate what, what you do for the church. It's really, it is another apostolate now than throwing things into the rivers, but it is really, really important because then people can understand what we stand for. Thank you very much for the invitation and and, and let's pray for each other.